welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Uh, I'm here with Dr. Lena Geiger from York University, um, who's talking here at the World Mental Health Day York Conference. Hi, Lena. How are you doing? Hello. Hi, Andrew. Very well. So, digital interventions in mental health, it, this seems to be an area that everyone is really excited mm. by. Yep. Um, but there isn't that much really good quality interventions in terms of research. Or is there? You know, what, what do you think can have a f- an impact on the physical health of people with severe mental illness when it comes to these digital Yeah, that's, that's actually spot on. We know that there's loads of stuff out there and that we have a lot of interventions that are enabled uh, by digital media, whether it's computers, smartphones, virtual reality, uh, serious gaming, all these different technologies that we all use in day-to-day life. And of course, we can see their potential in terms of helping um, helping us capture and address some of the needs, the physical needs of people with severe mental illness. But <clears throat> do we have enough evidence that th- these interventions actually work? Um, are they embedded in day-to-day practice so they can make a difference? And the answer actually is that no, that all the stuff that we use in day-to-day life and perhaps start being, start being used within mental health services are not evaluated properly. Uh, whereas other interventions that are evaluated by researchers in universities, then they end up not being used within routine care. So there's this really mismatch between what we know works and what is used um, and the difference between sort of academ- academic research and clinical practice. And I guess there's a mismatch between what people <coughs> actually use themselves outside of a health system. So, you know, I might, be, I might have type 1 diabetes mm. and psychosis <coughs> and I might have a fitness app um, I might have a watch, I might have a, you know, a, a range of things that I do to manage my own health yeah. that are completely outside of my relationship with my psychiatrist or my nurse. Yeah, and that is an important point to mention that a lot of these tools actually enable us to look after ourselves and our loved ones. But we also know that unless there is specific and structured interaction and, and, um, and communication with a health professional, uh, it doesn't have to be long the communication it can be just you know 5 10 15 minutes but we we know that it has to be there so that this self-management interventions work otherwise there's very little point we know from research in using self-managed digital interventions unless there is sufficient communication contact input from a professional so give us a picture of the <coughs> the most exciting areas within digital interventions for people with severe mental illness and mm-hmm. physical health problems. Where do you see the yeah. really exciting stuff happening? Um, the, the things that are starting happening, and we, we still don't have enough evidence, but I think it's an important step forward, is within all the mental health trusts, there are electronic systems that collect information about people's medication and physical health. Um, and this information is then communicated to all the health professionals who look after them. Um, so people in this way, they cannot fall through the net. <coughs> and second, we are actually able to see at which point they will need an intervention, say from a physical care team, uh, if For example, medication side effects are such that they put too much weight or they start having sort of um, high blood pressure. So all these things can now be picked up with electronic systems within healthcare um, to help us intervene at the right time. And things like virtual Mm. reality are getting a lot of press at the moment, particularly in relation to psychosis. There's Dan Freeman's big program that's being rolled out. 
What do you think about that? Yeah, one of our local mental health trusts is part of that. Um, and really the focus here is to reduce some of the anxiety uh, associated with um, with psychosis. Um, so it doesn't directly address physical health. However, if we are able to reduce anxiety and other clinical symptoms in people with psychosis, then perhaps there's less need for medication uh, or we can reduce the medication. So I think there will be a positive knock-on effect when it comes to to quality of life and well-being, uh, both physical and mental health. But I think we're far from having results from that particular project. And when the results are out, if they're positive and good, then the next, of course, step would be to embed it, to roll it out at large within mental health services. What about the stuff that people are just doing already on their own? You know, social yeah. media, Twitter is an amazing resource for people with severe mental illness to support each other. Mm, um, that kind of peer support is going to yeah. happen whether services are interested in it or not. But surely services have a role to play in that kind of intervention and helping people in that way. Yeah, and I think social media has, has done a lot of good in connecting people, uh, whether it is for peer support or for other, it's sort of connecting communities. Because one of the reasons why... Um, I guess people with severe mental illness may be disadvantaged when it comes to um, physical health. It would be because of the lack of opportunities or connections or resources. And with social media, you open a door. Um, and that's and that's a good way of doing it. However, as you said, um, it is almost disengaged from the delivery of care um, within clinical services. So it's the communities and what people do themselves within their families, um, and then it's what psychiatrists and nurses do and psychological therapists, and that is quite disjointed. Um, of course, when you talk to clinicians, they say that capacity is very limited. Is they're struggling so much to do um, to just deal with the day-to-day things without having the additional burden of the technology. So <clears throat> perhaps it doesn't come as a surprise to say that uh, um, people on the ground who deliver mental health care are perhaps the ones that have the the, the, the biggest um, uh, problem with engaging with technologies and adopting them as part of their routine working practice. Where do you sit on the discussion about the type of evidence that we need to implement mm. digital interventions? <coughs> do we need kind of systematic reviews and randomised yeah. controlled trials, or can we have a, a different type of evidence for yeah. this stuff? That's again an, an absolutely you know, brilliant question because you have sort of the evidence evangelists saying that you cannot implement anything unless you have evidence. But on the other hand, you have the technology developers that just throw things out there without having sufficient evidence. Um, and then, no, I don't think we have to have a, an RCT and a meta-analysis and a network analysis for every single piece of technology out there. Some of these technologies actually can have um, good sort of um, face validity because they use interventions that are tried and tested to just another way of delivering them. So in that context, then we don't need to reinvent the wheel and start from scratch and evaluating them. And again, sort of come Coming back to a crucial point I need to make is not perhaps the technology itself that it's evaluating. We need to put um, a system in place that the technology has sufficient support to make it eff- effective. So this is, I think, the key thing. So um, any technology would be useful if we have the right people to support it. And if you had a family member mm. who... Mm was diagnosed with a severe mental illness and had physical health problems, yeah. what digital technology would you recommend to them? 
Mm. Um, I think the starting point would be to use online resources to find out more about what are the risks and where they can get help. And I think a lot of um, there are a lot of these online resources, both um, um, facilitated, commissioned by charities, but also from mental health trust. A good example is um, the Recovery College Online, which is. Um, Uh, funded and supported by our local trust, Tees, Esk and Ware Valleys. Uh, and there, for example, it has a lot of different courses which are um, simple to, to do, but quite substantial in the content they cover. One of the courses is about cancer and severe mental illness. So I think helping people learn more about what is good, bad or indifferent, that would be a starting point. Great. Really interesting area. Thanks a lot for sharing Thank with you. us. Good luck with the talk. Thank you. Thank you.